0: hey everybody this is your host sean king with my youth on record today we're interviewing tommy t from the band gogo bordello hope you enjoy
1: if, I, if i'm a musician from ethiopia the second i come here okay pop that's what i need to learn because that's what people learn to here. fine learn as much as you can but you add what you know from where you come from into whatever you learn here, all of a sudden you're a unique musician.
2: Welcome to My Youth on Record, a podcast where musicians share the music they created as teens and the stories behind their songs. My name is Mona, and I'm super excited to be joining Sean King as your co host for another season of My Youth on Record. We're excited to welcome Thomas Gobena, AKA Tommy T, to the studio. Thomas is a phenomenal bassist, best known for his work in the gypsy punk band, Gogo Bordello. Born and raised in Ethiopia, playing music alongside his brother, Thomas always had a passion for music. At 16, Thomas moved to Washington DC to pursue new opportunities and carve out a path as a professional musician. He shared with us some of the inspirations and challenges of moving to a new country to pursue a passion for music.
0: We're in the studio today with Thomas Kobena, who also goes by Tommy T, depending on what project he's working on. Thomas, thank you so much for being here.
1: Hey, thank you for having me.
0: And Mona's with us as well. Nice to see you, Mona.
2: Nice to see you as well. I'm super stoked about this.
0: Cool, cool. So I I was reading up about some of the history. I know you moved you moved to DC when you were sixteen. That's correct. So can you tell me about like music, pop music, any any exposure to music? When you were living in Addis Ababa,
1: so I moved to the states in 1987. So this is pre 87, and and Ethiopia Ethiopia was under a, a socialist uh, slash I think communist ruler at that point. So there's not a whole lot of outside, especially West influence music or otherwise but obviously the pop music kind of you uh, can't stop pop music <laughs> so we uh, grew up heavy in michael jackson i mean michael jackson was jesus you know back home and soon after i know you hear about madonna and things like that outside outside of that in, in, in my own household my older brothers uh, listened to uh, some country music believe it or not um, I remember listening to a lot of Jim Reeves and Don Williams and things like that. Not listening in details, like analytically, but it was around for a little bit. Um, and 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 yeah, that's that's what came up, and and a whole lot of Ethiopian music.
0: Uh, were your brothers musicians as well?
1: Uh, yeah. my My older brother is a phenomenal bass player.
0: Yeah. Wow. Out of this world. So so. Growing up, you had how much music was in the house, and how much was like how much was exposure from from people playing, and how much was exposure from like radio or events.
1: Um, so I've heard this questions come up, and for many artists, because it, it, it kind of shapes who you are as a musician. If you're a musician, um, mine was not strictly that way. It was never like you know I grew up listening to this record and that record, and I know this in details. It was was really never like that. I was never influenced heavily by one thing or the other to become a musician. It's just a pleasurable thing to hear, you know, music, right? Uh, but uh, when I was five years old, uh, my father got my older brother a guitar. That's where the whole thing started. So with that guitar, you know, my older brother started playing a little bit. And acoustic. Acoustic. And soon after, I kind of followed playing around the house nobody taught any one of us. We just picked it up and played it because it was a toy. (laughs) And that's how it started. And even that was not to be an instrumentalist. You know, you have a toy that you can play, and then we played it. Somehow it worked out that way. It was really that organic, the way we got into it. Uh, uh, My older brother, he's 10 years older than me. He came to the States before me. And when he came to the States, he formed a band. And in 1984, they recorded something, and and, and, uh, they sent it over. And I was still living in Ethiopia at that point. That's the first aha moment, you know? It's like, oh, there's a band, and my brother's in it, and there's a record, and what's that, you know? And at that point, I never really played bass. I had acoustic guitar, and I played acoustic guitar. That's it. And... uh, since then, the record, says my brother's name and bass player on it. I'm like, oh, okay, now let me learn the bass. With the same acoustic guitar, played it like a bass with two fingers. And, and, and that sort of like started shaping me as a bass player because I was sort of following my brother. And all the music I heard, it was never like a direction. It was music that's available. And, and we heard it. We played it. Um, my high school had a, had a, a band. I didn't play an instrument, but I sort of played a coach because I was sort of a better musician than the people that were around. So, Early producer days, basically. So, sort of like that. So, you know, all my classmates, they would come to my house and I would teach them, you know, it's all cover songs, right? I will teach them songs for Madonna and this is how the bass line goes and they would learn it from me uh, and then they would play those stage. So I was sort of like a coach kind of thing. And soon after that, I left and came to the States and that is the next level of me being sort of serious about music. Because when, when you
0: were in Ethiopia, though, did you did you know when you were like learning bass lines from Madonna and stuff, were you already thinking, this is what I want to do, or were you, you were just thinking about school?
1: Absolutely not. Uh, I the only. Th- thing I remember, like, as an ambition when I was a kid is to be a, a, a pilot. <laughs> you know, that's the only thing I can remember as far as, like, okay, I want to be a pilot, I want to be a pilot. And and when you grow up, it kind of starts fading away, you know, that part of it. And then I moved here when I was 16. And, yeah, so there there's my brother playing in a band, you know, all over D.C. and all the restaurants and things. So now it's a real thing. So now I want to become that. So by the time I turned 18 I kind of took his gig and 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 started playing out so
0: so between 16 and 18 there must have been I mean massive culture shock I would say maybe I don't know did you did you travel to the states before you were 16
1: No I wasn't it was my very first trip out of Ethiopia and it wasn't massive culture shock at all and okay. I think the young age helps you know what I'm saying uh, I guess we're not so much set. Even like just an example, people that came, friends that came two years after I got here, would have slightly harder time fitting in or adapting mm. as quickly as I did. And people that two years, the people that came two years before me, completely full on adapted already. You know, well, so I think the age sixteen was just the right time that not to lose my Ethiopianness, but also to be able to be. Accepting all this new stuff that I see every day, so never really was a big shock. It was definitely heavy difference. That that's that's without a doubt. But I just came into it and just was what it was.
0: So, t- for context for people listening, the in the Ethiopian diaspora, that DC is the number one. Am I right? Is it the, yeah. the number one? Uh, okay, uh, the sure. largest
1: population outside of Ethiopia is in DCs, I would think it was pro- is probably pushing upwards of five hundred thousand in the whole the DC metropolitan area. Yeah, A strong, strong, and very successful community uh, um, as far as business ownership or being completely uh, assimilated into the community. Yeah, cool.
0: Yeah, I, I love DC, and, and <laughs> it's, I can't. I can't try to picture what it was like being there in eighty seven and. Had you heard hip hop before you came to the states?
1: Not, not really. Uh, I, I've I've heard of rap because of breakdancing and all that, but I never really recognized it as hip hop. You know, that was breakdancing actually. That's the way I remember it. I don't remember it as a genre of music. Uh, and, and yeah, that that also came through towards the last days of uh, you know living in Addis. It was all about breakdancing, and, and you know the Jackson, Michael Jackson, you know zipper jacket and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Yeah, so that started coming through, and you know,
0: I'm saying Michael Jackson's influence was so intense for that for that time in the '80s. And everything in culture was pretty much from Pepsi ads to the records to the videos to the songs on the radio. You couldn't escape Michael Jackson. It was it was like a wonderful time.
1: It was yeah, like... and, and and imagine the publicity. Every, every every country you went, there'd be millions of people passing out, and this that's what you saw everywhere. So you know you're already there. It's as expected, as soon as you're in that moment, you're ready to pass out because you've seen it all your lives.
0: Well, and <laughs> and just to jump around the timeline a little bit, I was just thinking like when I'm out with my band, you know, we'll we'll hear like American hip hop and pop when we're in when we're in taxis and in restaurants and cafes. So yeah, I was curious if that if that was where you grew up when you were 16, like, was that was that also happening where you'd hear both Ethiopian music and American pop in, out, out and about at restaurants and stuff?
1: Or? You know, when I was growing up, it wasn't a very open society. Uh, you probably wouldn't hear these things blaring out of taxis and stuff. You'd hear a lot of Ethiopian music everywhere, you know, that's for sure. And even that is sort of censored. This has to be sort of supportive of the government and the movement kind of stuff. But, you know, some pop Ethiopian music is definitely allowed without being political right was, was, it can't be political actually no. yeah there's no <laughs> yeah so there's a lot of Ethiopian pop I mean, coming everywhere there's TV programs radio programs non-stop I mean people carrying radio like you know transistor radios that's that's everywhere so it was heavily involved musical community except there's not a whole lot of outside influence and the few lucky of us that can have access because we know people overseas or we are slightly privileged you know, those are the people that would get the foreign music.
0: Would would instrumental music be limited as well, like Ethiopian jazz and stuff? Would that Would you still be able to hear that?
1: Yeah, yeah, you can hear pop music. It just can't be political. You can't speak against the government and things like that. Yeah, all, all the stuff like Mahmoud, all this great Ethiopian artists that the world knows, they played and performed, but you know, paid allegiance to the, you know. You know how it goes. (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, you never thought about none of that. Growing up, it was just music. You, You never really, I can look back and analyze right now and tell you this is how it was, but it was just music around me. It was really like that.
2: Thomas had a natural knack for the bass and couldn't seem to put it down. He used the bass to pay his way through college and reached a fork in the road when it was time to approach his adult life. How did he balance music in school and where did he find the motivation to keep going? Let's learn more.
0: So DC, 16, 87, you're about to become semi-professional yeah. by, by 18. Yeah. At this point, you already kind of like ditched the whole school idea and you wanted to be full-time musician?
1: No. Actually, uh so you know, I, I kinda was gifted. Uh, never learned how to play. So by the time I was already in the U.S., even though I've never played in a band to save my life, I can pretty much pick up the bass and play whatever I want. And and my brother sort of encouraged me to get into it quickly, but I just got into, you know, D.C. I was still in high school. Like, no idea what's going on in the future, right? So it took a couple of years of really figuring it out, but by the time I was 18. And before then, I played with my brother and in his band, just, you know, sitting in. Small, you know, the younger brother playing kind of vibes. But by the time I was 18 and, and my first gig was fine, it was as as good as my, you know, when I was 16, I could have played that same gig. And it was natural and felt better and I got paid. I'm like, okay, this is good. <laughs> and then actually, like I said, I never wanted to really, there was nothing in me to say that you're a musician, this is your career. It was never like that. I can play bass. And it was fun playing it, and I get paid for it. And I can't stop playing it. That's that's the whole thing. And and I went to school after that. You know, I, I, I went to college. Paid for college by playing music in the summer. So now it started becoming serious. And, and, and you go through college, and the first thing you think, okay, now I'm graduated, you know, I have my degree. You got to get your own house, your own car. You got to be, you know, young man, you know. So I did that and, you know, um, I did computer science in school, got out, I had an IT job and I was a systems engineer and, and played five nights a week <laughs> at the same time. Meaning like I get home at three in the morning and I have to show up the next day and work the whole day. Yeah. So, uh, so now started getting, you know, by the time I come off college, which is 21, 22, I'm still playing, I got a job you know by that time i know for sure the job i didn't like but the music i love you know so it's a clear difference so when you start planning for what's coming into the future because now you're already in the school now i started thinking maybe i should be thinking about music more because this is what i like i can't stop it after that you know became a quest to uh, wind down the Deja, which is not easy when you get used to the money. <laughs>
0: so these days I mean reggae is so much a part of who you are as a musician I'm wondering like at what point did you and and obviously in in reggae specifically the bass is so melodic it's like a, it's like a melodic backbone we all, we all are attracted to that music for that reason it's so it's so much a part of that music is it? Was there an early time when you were attracted to the to like reggae bass lines and knew that was going to be one of one of your your directions?
1: No. Uh, so when I mentioned growing up, Michael Jackson, Madonna, they sort of they sort of, they're the ones that con- kind of came through the the country. But Bob Marley was also heavy. Even though I personally don't remember like really gravitating towards that because for some reason I knew his songs, some of the songs that the the, the school band covered and things like that. But, you know, I never saw him as the biggest star at that point, even though he was. And, you know, we were young without any knowledge, really. It's just you listen. Uh, I I remember the day he passed as well because they announced it in the school, uh, you know. Speakers (laughs) Speakers <laughs> to the masses. Yeah, because every Ethiopian is expected to love reggae, really. It's like it's in your blood. Uh, so, yeah, I never really went that way. But, you know, once I got to D.C., when I started figuring out my way, basically followed my brother's step and style of playing. You know, he was a James Jamerson kind of Motown guy. And and his jazz world was more like uh, Chicoria and Yellow Jackets and Fusion and all that kind of stuff. So, and funk. So I was doing a lot of that, but when I came into my own, the kind of sounds that I used was the heavy, dubby stuff. And and reggae became an interest as a as a connoisseur, not as a bass line or a bass player. I just loved listening to reggae and partying and dancing and all of that. And I guess because I like the style, you know, when I play it, it kind of felt natural to uh, to go that way. So for some reason now I'm kind of defined by that sound. <laughs> Which I find it funny, but I will accept it hundred percent because it's a fantastic sound. That's how bass needs to sound. I agree. Yeah.
0: What about the what about the influence of like? Everyone talks about DC go go music. Was that an influence on you at all?
1: Absolutely. I mean, my, you know, my young life in America is go-go, man, especially the school I went to, man. Yeah, tell yeah. us
0: what that scene is about.
1: So I went to a school called T.C. Williams High School in Alexandria, Virginia. So I don't know if you know the movie, Remember the Titans. Yeah. That's the school. That's the school I went to. So it's, it's a heavy presence in the area. And top athletics program, like football was number one in the nation. And, you know, it's a massive student body. So that's the school I came to as a senior student from Ethiopia, directly transplanted into this. And this go-go coming out of every locker. I mean, it's unbelievable. And I fell in love with this music. And that was my youth before I got into hip-hop. Actually, it was that, and there was house music, and there was hip-hop, you know. And in the middle, I played reggae. <laughs> Those are all great influences. Yeah, even, even playing at, at Ethiopian restaurants all around town, you know. Those days, um, I used to play at an Ethiopian restaurant, and upstairs was also a venue. It's two floors. One of the greatest Gogo bands played upstairs. EU, that was the one that was exported to the masses, doing the butt, all that stuff. So I get to see them uh, a couple of times a week. <laughs> you know, so, that, so so that was uh, that was great. That's amazing. Yeah.
0: Um. Yeah. So, so like, take us back to like right before you did come to the states. What what do you think that what do you think that the 16-year-old Thomas would say about the current professional, Thomas, if you could see the future back then? What do you think, what do you think the 16-year-old self would think of you now?
1: Well, unexpected. Yeah, I, I probably never expected to be a, a musician, living as a musician, touring the world as a musician. But if you cut the fat out of this statement i wanted to be a pilot i wanted to travel so all those things still in me you know uh of course i was around music even though i didn't play it and i never thought that would be a profession but i never thought computers would be my profession either you know uh so the foundation haven't ha- hasn't changed much uh, uh and and i think that's a very positive thing because there there was no clash or conflict or period of my time when i was searching you know
0: but you found the, the, the band to, oh. to address wanderlust more than anyone <laughs> you know what else. I'm saying
1: yeah and 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 as they say these days uh, you know put it out in the universe and it comes back to you and that's the only way I can explain some of this stuff uh, yeah, uh, I would say it's completely unexpected yeah but uh, you know don't change everything came naturally organically you know luck has something to do with it, I'm sure. Uh, not all of it is because of my doing, and I understand it 100%, but at the same time I've put in the work. Uh, I'm still doing you know, putting in the work so you know.
2: Thomas isn't inspired by specific genres or sounds. What he truly cares about is the connection to an audience. He shares this insight and more in an enlightened conclusion to our interview.
0: So, I'm just thinking back to like, you know, Bad Brains and and like just you you definitely have to play punky stuff every night. Yeah, was there early punk influences on you too?
1: Like I said, you know, I'm I'm, I'm weird this way, and and I've never been influenced by a certain thing. Like I have no hero, I have no idol, and and. I, I I never followed anything. The only thing that can come closer to that was my brother, and I think that's because of proximity. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if I was around you at the same time, I'd probably do what you do at that age. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Yeah. so uh, there was nothing influenced like that, and so I was never influenced by punk either or by reggae for that matter. It's just that being in D.C., you have to know what Bad Brains are or Fugazi is. So I was aware of them that way. And obviously a couple of the songs, you know, come through from different areas, and I knew some of the songs. Guess what? I'm a big fan now because I was exposed to them in a different way. Now I'm in a punk band. So I get to listen to different sorts of things, and I can appreciate, oh, that's Bad brain. So yeah, right I see
2: you, um, you've mentioned that uh, not necessarily having – a super strong influence other than your brother um i'm interested was there any like albums that really stuck out to you during that time
1: mm, no no n- n- no i mean what's available you know it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's different like let me put it in context here when you're growing up and and also depending on what you're your social economy you know but you have options you can actually imagine i don't like that music i like this music there's this genre and this stuff from this country we get what we get that's it and either you listen or you don't you're either you're into music or not and and actually by traveling around the world you can see some of the cover bands what they cover and you're like why would you cover that because nobody listens to it it's not a hit it's it's because what they have and they like what they have and that's why they cover it. It's not because it's the biggest hit in America. So let's cover yeah. that here, you know. So we had what we had and we listened to it and and that's, that's about it. And I never really had one album. It's a different world now, man. It's, it's, uh, uh, it's good because the access is amazing. Uh, I can speak on that because, you know, like I said, we come from a different part of the world. This access is available. If you go to Ethiopia right now, they're listening to the same stuff that me and you are listening to, just because of access. Uh, at the same time, you know, you know, this is, what is it, garbage in, garbage out. So it's whatever you feed it is whatever you listen to. So not everything is, uh, is uh, amazing music, but everything has a space. You know, as long as it finds an audience, uh, I think this is the fault of musicians. We kind of stick to what we like. And since we know what we like and we're knowledgeable about music, you know, that's the fence that you put up. I'm a jazz guy. I listen to jazz. Country? Nah. Yeah. You, you're missing so much more stuff in country if you don't listen to it. It doesn't mean that you're a fan. And yeah, music is music. Good music should always be listened to and and taste also we have to take an account if you don't like it, that's fine. Putting down you know you know, we we tend to do a lot of those as musicians. I hear musicians do that more than other people. other people will say, "I don't like it," and they move on. Musicians will say, "I don't like it. he sucks. What kind of sound is that? What is this? A bass player is that guitar player is that. Why would he do that? That's so cheesy. You know we put a lot more stuff on it because we think we know, but you know, how many times have we talked about pop musicians, for example, and, you know, but you look up, there's millions of people crying because of their words It touched something.
0: It sounds like you have a real appreciation for when someone can connect with any audience. Like if you're basically saying if no matter how weird it is, the thing that you're doing, if you're connecting with people, that's where the, that's real. the real joy is.
1: Well, I don't know any other way of explaining being a musician. If I'm on stage, especially if I'm playing as a live musician, if I'm not in the bedroom <laughs> playing for myself, my only reason being there is not to show off, hopefully not my talent, is to really share and connect with an audience. You know what I'm saying? That's that's my very basic foundation. If that's not the case, then everything's out the window for me. that I mean, I, I'd rather play by myself if that was the case in my room. Uh, if, if, you, if you look at it that way if that's the foundation I think that's what we should keep mentioning every single day especially to the youth so they don't forget this foundation otherwise everything falls apart and 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 that's the way I look at it you know yeah, that's I, awesome
2: I really appreciate that reminder I think I see myself get caught up in that like this I'm still figuring out my own worth as an artist and so sometimes that performance I forget it's about the the connection instead of this, like, validation for me.
1: Yeah, we, I mean, we all get sucked in, you know, with, with those validation moments because we are absolutely human and you have to embrace your humanness as well. People will clap for you. You tend to do more because that's exactly what energy is between, you know, two things. You know, you give me something and I give you back. It goes back. Don't be scared of, you know, f- looking for validation, playing for that, as long as the foundation is to communicate. You know, you're on stage performing to communicate. You wanna say you write music to communicate, unless you're one of those unique people, who will write music for you <laughs> and keep it to yourself. And that's okay. <laughs> here's
0: a here's an interesting thought. Is your brother proud of what you've done on bass?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And is
0: he still playing bass? Yeah,
1: yeah. He 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 uh yeah, he's very proud. He always talks about me as I talk about him all the time. Uh so as far as changing lives so my brother moved to ethiopia about 13 years ago and opened up a uh, uh, music school uh, he graduated from berkeley music school so imagine a person graduating from berkeley going back to a place like ethiopia and teaching the youth it's like a uh, harvard law <laughs> is going back to you know ethiopia to teach law school yeah so in the last 12 years the amount of musicianship That you see from the youth in Ethiopia is absolutely mind blowing. As a matter of fact, it's kind of scary for me to say. Here I'm the musician uh, because they're blowing people's mind, and most of them are his students, so they're getting amazing education. You know, I say they. You know, very limited amount because still a very small operation in one city. So this stuff needs to be done more, but uh, it's, it's doable. You know, you can you can definitely guide the youth. And the rest is uh, they'll take care of it.
0: He sounds like he's a passionate musician. Then,
1: yeah, nonstop. He 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 gigs seven days a week. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: I'm wondering what your advice is to maybe a young musician who was in your place, who is coming from another country and trying to um, do their thing here in America or in any place. You know, they're like um, young musician who's traveling to a new place and trying to figure things out. I'm wondering what your advice to Um, them might be.
1: So one thing you sort of realize right away is when you come to a new country, it's a different language. You probably look different sometimes. Uh, There's all these different things. So your first instinct is to blend in. So how do you blend in? Okay, learn the language quickly. Even if you don't know the language, try the accent so you sound like somebody else. Or like you have to wear a certain outfit to look like somebody else. This is what you do on a normal day. And musically, it's the same. If I'm a musician from Ethiopia, the second I come here, okay, pop. That's what I need to learn because that's what people learn to hear. Fine. Learn as much as you can. But you add what you know from where you come from into whatever you learn here, all of a sudden you're a unique musician. And and is unique not just for the people but for you as well because now you knew one thing. Now all of a sudden you learn another thing now you're mushing it up and creating a whole new third thing. So this is being creative as well. All of a sudden you're on top of your game without really doing much and the only thing, the added bonus into the whole thing is the fact that you're from a different place and you know something different that this place does not know. At the same time, you can have an exchange with people. Yeah, let me show you what I have. Look at my music. This is where I come from. This is what we do. This is the kind of instruments that we play. And the other person, the other musician will say, Oh, okay, we do similar stuff, but we do it this way. And this happens daily with us every day in the band, you know. As you know, we're always exchanging this kind of different things. There's nothing inferior with culture. Culture is culture. My culture is not superior or inferior than yours. It's just my culture. That's all it is. And music fits into that. There's no better music. It's just my music, so never be shy about where you come from as far as sharing your music. That way, you probably will get so much more from other people as well.
0: Yeah, right on, uh, Thomas. Thank you so much for coming here today, man.
1: Thank you for having me. This has been a blast, and and I'm I'm happy to witness this amazing operation that that exists here. And I was saying it to you earlier. It needs to be duplicated, uh, not only in the states but everywhere, man. It's it's, it's a great program.
2: My Youth on Record is proudly brought to you by Youth on Record, a Colorado nonprofit organization where local teens are empowered to find their voice and value by working with local musicians as their educators. Teens in Youth on Records programs are working to be both the next generation of creatives as well as community leaders. They do this through me-
0: A big shout out to Oso Motley for our theme music this season. They came to the studio in Denver, jammed with some of the youth on record students, and we couldn't be happier. Thanks so much.